Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim R. Today's episode 224, and we're going to be interviewing Jasper. How you doing, Jasper? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing well. Glad to be here. Me and you, you're uh, you're one of our group members come to uh, our Zoom meeting, so kind of know each other a little bit. But For let's sure. dive in here. Let's get started. Tell me about your childhood and growing up. Um, I started... I mean, I got, was born around um, 11 a.m. at my Carmel West in, um, on West Broad in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I was <laughs> told, told by my mother I was a chunky kid. <laughs> <laughs> Came from offspring or whatever. And um, so basic, basically was... I um was was told I was like the the prodigal child, prodigal son, child or whatever, um, from basically my entire family or whatever. It's like this is this is the kid that's gonna gonna go places or whatever. So that so I have a lot of vivid, mem- vivid memories of that. That um, must have been a, that must have felt like a lot of pressure. Oh it oh it was especially when I especially when I started growing up, you know, but, um, my childhood was, my childhood started off. Okay. Um, uh, I started me off not knowing who my biological father was. Like he, he, um, he left when I was born actually. And it was, um, my mom and my aunt, who was there when I was, who was at the hospital when I was born. And my, apparently my aunt was the very first person that cured me when I was born. And um, so that brought up a lot of, a lot of abandonment issues, like from the jump, you know, because I know, yeah, I had no idea who my biological father was or whatever. All we hear, all I would hear are stories Never knew his name, never knew where he came from, you know, never seen his face. There's no pictures of me. There's no pictures of me and me and him at all. There's no pictures of my mom and him at all. So like I I'm very like clueless. It's like very he's a very unknown type of person. And um so that kind of started off with me kind of, you know, started off with me kind of like not I mean I would say trusting I mean trusting people in a lot of ways um but you know it started off okay you know my uh, mom my mom had me when she was 17 oh she was really really young yeah she was really young and um you know she had to go through trials and tribulations because my grandparents you know was was very much against me against me being born like they like she like they really wanted me aborted so like that um so she was pressured pressured a lot by them by them when did you find that how old were you when you found that out i think i was 18 so you're still a kid when you find that out yeah but 
you know, we went from place to place. There was some, there was some other guy who took the, the fatherly figure wing that my biological, my biological father left behind. So we moved to Cincinnati by the time I was like, I think two or three years old. And um, we lived with him and it lived with him and his mom. So we stayed there for a couple of years. Um, you how know, was, it living, how was your mom as a parent? Um, I, um, see nowadays I look at me, I look at way my mom was as a parent differently from when I was, when I was a teenager, you know, cause I actually had like a lot of, a lot of amount of resentments from me from her because, you know, I was, I was not raised where I, I was not raised right by her. I was raised by my grandparents. You how, know, were grand, how were your grandparents? Were they good with you? Yeah, they were really good with me. They taught me basically all the things that an adult's supposed to know. You know, everything that a human is supposed to know, like wash clothes, wash, wash clothes, iron clothes, um, clean up after yourself or whatever. You know, out taught taught me how to tie my shoe, ride a bike. I mean, all the things that my all things that you know, I thought my parents would would teach me, but in reality, it was more of my grandparents who taught me all these all these things, you know, and had me have me grow. And um, so, you know, but like I said, but back to my mom, um, you know, she did what she could for the time that time that she had me or whatever, because you know, being being an adolescent in the nineties. Being an adolescent in the nineties was not a was not a um it's not for the week. I tell you, I'll put it that way. What kind you of know? things do you? What kind of things did you go through? Um, I went through a lot of verbal abuse by her from I mean, from the time I was like seventeen or eighteen. What kind of things would she say? Like, think uh, things like you know, you're you're not gonna amount to nothing or whatever, and like, just spewing how like, you you know, I was always I was already like by the time I turned eighteen, I was already on a downward spiral in in some ways. You, you know, I was staying out, staying out late, not ever coming home, and being out with people who I shouldn't have been out with. So like, you, you know, it, the, the thing about it is that she felt like if she only gave me like food, 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 shelter and clothing that I would be me. She was doing her job as a parent, you know, without having that, you know, sincere love and care that um, all children need to have in order to, in order to grow. You know, so I mean, like it's, I said, it's, it's super important. I mean, it can't even be overstated the amount of importance love ties into your growing up. It's either you feel loved or you don't. For sure. And, you know, that's the reason why I resented her so much. Like growing up, you know, yeah. um, so 
above all, but 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 above all that, I still try to you know maintain a good, a good thought process with like being successful. That's why I knew how. But you know, I was fought. But I felt like by the time I turned like fourteen, I was already falling off. You know, um, my school life was a bit. It was a bit harsh. I was at elementary school. I had an IEP. What's IEP? And um, an IEP is like you like having a learning disability, ADHD. Understood. So I, yeah. I, I uh, yeah, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I when I was uh three. At three years old, they diagnosed you. Mm -hmm. Do you are did anyone ever tell you what kind of symptoms you were showing at three? That seems super young. Uh, like massive hyperness. I was told. I was told now when I was that young, I was hi hella hyper. Like I, I was extremely hyper. I was going like jumping off the walls, kind of thing or whatever. Yeah. And by the time I was in uh elementary school, they were putting me. They were putting me on um Adderall. They were putting me on Adderall to like calm me down, calm me down from my hyperness or whatever. But um, the people don't know the side effects of Adderall is like severe depression. You, you know, so all the thing, all the things that I found fun, I didn't find fun anymore when I was on the pit on those pills. And um, so after that, really, um, you know, again, my school life was pretty was pretty um, messed up in ways like I. Due to the fact that I had ADHD and an IEP, and also had other other things like a skin condition, I have eczema, and also having um yeah massive allergies or whatever, I would I would get made fun of made fun of, me a lot for like my my skin being ashy or whatever things that I couldn't help. You know. Yeah. And kids could be cruel. People don't people kind of forget that that kids could be fucking cruel. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I dealt with a lot of that, and um, so I went through elementary school and past that, then went through middle school, and that was a bit niche. I have uh, it was hard for me to make friends because I didn't know how to make friends. Y you know, I wasn't the type of person to come up to you and say hi, how are you, or whatever. I was the kind of person in like in the very corner, just drawing. And you know, I was I used to draw I used to draw a lot when I was a kid. I used to draw like stick little stick figures and stuff. Yeah, I used to draw a lot as a kid also. I used to love drawing. Yeah. I um still remember that little thing I wrote was something about you know something about friendship or whatever. I forget I forget what it was. My mom still has still has it. In the portfolio of like my childhood stuff or whatever, and um, so that you know, that was all up in hand, and on on top of that, um, my stepdad, stepdad at the time that I was a kid, he was very, I mean, he was um, doing drugs a lot. He was doing cocaine a lot, and in front I. Of you? I Say again. What do you do it in front of you? Um, I'm not a no. 
I, I'm just, I just actually just know, knowing about this, like, a year ago, you, you know, but yeah. I do, but I do recall, like, him having, like, mental, like, manic depressive outbursts, and I would be on the forefront of it and get smacked around for no apparent reason. That must have been hard. Yeah. You know, and the reason why I never, and the thing about it, I never told my mom about it was because I thought that was just me being disciplined. You, you know, I wasn't aware that this, this was not okay. You know, you know I, I didn't know the difference. When I was a kid, I didn't know the difference between being disciplined and actually being abused. Yeah, that's a, it's a lot of kids deal with that, I think. You, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot of kids do do, still deal with that kind of thing, and um, so after that, uh, we went back to Columbus because my because she was putting his, his hands on my mom too. And, so she uh, left him. Yeah, she left him. We went back to we went back to Columbus, and uh, lived with my grandparents for I me mean, for a little bit until she got her own place. And by the time she got her own place, my second, my younger brother was born. And um how much younger is he than you? Um say say five years. Five we're five years apart. I, I, I meant to say I ha, I do have a um a brother a younger brother before that that's two years younger than me. Okay. Yeah, and um, that was, I mean, that was his dad. Your stepdad. Yeah. So, like, my, a lot of, my, so my brothers and sisters were, like, half brothers and sisters. Gotcha. Different dad, same mom. So, yeah, I have a half brother also. Yeah, so, um... After that, I me mean, after that, we went to back to her grand my grandparents' place, or whatever, and um, you know, she found a job and she was working at it or whatever. She became a nurse, and we got we got an apartment out I think out east. And um, after, so after that, we um stayed there for a while, and that's when my other brother was born, you know, and took take care of him and we took care of him as much as we could over there and um so like throughout the, the day throughout the years I was kind of like very secluded like mentally like mentally secluded in a way because I did, I did not know how to make friends again when I was in school I was also dealing with a lot, dealing with a lot of health issues regarding my my asthma and um, regarding my asthma and my allergies. You, you know, and I was also still dealing with, you know, ADHD, being ADHD and everything, and also learn, having a learning disability, which means that it was hard for me to like expand me expand on like different different uh, parts of the different parts of the curriculum at school. So like it, it, I would have like like 10 more 10 extra minutes of testing aside from the other kids who only had who had 
a little amount of time. I had had an extra 10, that kind of things, because I didn't know how to comprehend certain, I didn't know how to comprehend certain things like in an accurate manner. So, you know, so my teachers were work, would work with me, work with me every day after school to get that down or whatever. And so, um, yeah, so by the time I was in middle, by the time I was in junior high, I was um, I was going through a lot of depression. Junior high, I was going through a lot of depression, and um, the only I felt like the only thing that was make that was making me at the time that was making me um, feel like I was somebody was music. So I was really attached attached to early to early punk music. And so basically, early punk music like eighty like eighties DC punks, I mean punk bands like Black Flag and um, Bad Brains. So that's what like cultivated in my head, cultivated in my head, and made me feel like oh yeah, f the status quo kind of thing. Yeah, like I was I was in the seventh grade when I was like I was like everyone was like playing like Rich Homie Quan, and I was singing black flag songs you know i almost got and that funny thing i almost got suspended for wearing a black flag shirt really <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's ridiculous um yeah <laughs> but um yeah so my cousins were also in the same also in the same school you know i was in the i was in a charter school in middle school so yeah, I had to wear like uniforms and stuff like that, even though I barely wore them. <laughs> so, you know, so all through that, I was also still getting bullied. I was also still going through getting bullied a lot through um due to fact due to the fact that I due to the fact that my skin condition a lot of times at the time, whatever. And that's what that's when like my eczema was getting like flaring up almost on, like in a day to day basis. And my mom took me to a dermatologist and they didn't know what to do. All they gave, all they did was give me like some generic steroid cream and that made it worse. So like, I was like, so I was having breakouts all over my body and all these kids were, all these kids, when I was having these breakouts or whatever, I was having so many kids like make fun of me for it. And like, I, but like, you know, the bully, there was like the bullying name for me. The term was Ashy Larry. So <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah. Kids could be so, like I said before, so friggin' cruel. But you look back and that's the kind of stuff made you stronger, I'm sure. Thicker skin. Oh, uh, me. Oh, yeah, for sure. I wouldn't, I really wouldn't change it in all honesty. It's because, you know, I am where I am now, you know because of it you know so by the time I, I was in high, by the time I was in high school I was um I was in a relationship with this one with this one girl um I think this one girl or whatever we only dated for like two weeks and that was it <laughs> so it wasn't really a relationship it was just like let's see how this goes in two weeks we just cut it out cut it off yeah um and that's when time that was around the time that um me and my brother was moving from my grandparents house to my mom's house like switching and forth because she couldn't financially take care of us 
And um, so, so after that, so after that, um, I was living with my grandparents for quite a while. So and by the time I turned 14, you, you know, I was kind of already stressed out and upset about a lot, about a lot of things, especially regarding to like the family dynamics of things. There's a lot of friction going on by then or whatever because of money issues or whatnot. And um, that's when I first got introduced to alcohol. At 14? That's what I was Say again? At 14? At yeah. Four yeah. So young. Yeah. And um, the very first drink I ever had was a Corona beer right in my grand right in my grandfather's fridge. And I would drink it in his I drink it in the basement. You know, and I got very I got very hungover within a matter of like seconds within one within one beer or whatever. But it made me it but at the but the thought process of it was that I felt good. I felt good. You, you know, like all those I mean all those all that like frustration and stress or whatever that I'm feeling it's all gone because because of this one beer. Yep. Without realizing waking up, yeah, I have a a big massive migraine. I mean, big massive migraine. Your stomach hurts and all types of stuff. So like, um, you know, so I didn't get escalated. I didn't start to escalate more and more when I got into a relationship with this other girl. Um, you know, and you know, we were. It was a. It started off. It started off for the first six months as a long distance relationship, and it took a toll on both of us. It took a toll on both of us. And then we actually met each other, and um, we actually met each other. Started being thirty more intimate, or whatever. And the next thing you know, she she ends up being pregnant, and um, I was not. And quite honestly, I was not quite ready I felt like I wasn't quite ready to be a father at all you know looking back at it now I definitely was not ready but yeah you know her parents were weren't that weren't too supportive through, through a lot of that weren't, wasn't really too supportive in a lot of that because like you know it's like two kids you guys are two kids like what can you do with what, what can you guys do with a kid you know, but all that, but going through all that turmoil or whatever, I was still drinking. Let's, I was still drinking or whatever. And um, I think by the time me and her separated, I was drinking more. But um, so what happened to the baby is she got, it was missed, it was a miscarriage. And that took a toll on both of us. Especially took a toll on both of us. I had to, me, I had a lot of those emotions going through that, going through the pregnancy loss thing, you know. And like as her support system, like I really had nobody because I didn't want to tell anybody because I was get scared, I was scared I'd be kicked out for it. Yeah. So I, I really didn't tell anybody about any of that, you know. So um you know, we were one time it's bound to be engaged, you know, well married. We were somewhat engaged, you know, and um 
after the miscarriage, it took um we um started to we started to like separate and a lot start separating a lot of ways like we weren't being as intimate as much anymore we weren't being as intimate anymore um we weren't really seeing each other that much anymore and by the time the, the by the time the miscarriage by the time like i was a senior in high school we um separated you know and you know so i was at i was i graduated i got my diploma and then I um stayed with my stayed with my grandparents. And he stayed with um stayed with my parents, stayed with my mom. And then I went to um I went to Columbus State um for like two semesters, then then dropped out because I couldn't financially afford it anymore. And um and that's when a lot of friction between me and her kind of came about because I was again I was staying out I was staying out late and not really not really telling her where I'm at or whatever so that caused a lot of negative friction between one another between each other and um, by the time um, no well she said that that by the time I turned twenty she was like that's the last straw you're out of here kind of thing and so I was homeless for quite a while and um and by all the me there was friends that I made that had a good influence and there was friends that I made that had bad influences. I hung around the friends that I made that had bad influences and that's when I was first introduced to heroin. How old were you? I was 20. 20. Mm-hmm and I stayed inside a uh, stayed inside a a bando at Parsons in Columbus um, for about a few months, just shooting just shooting up, not having any care in the world, and hoping for some money to get some food in my stomach or whatever or whatnot. But um, I kind I kind of quit cold turkey, which was a bad move. I should have went went to get help at that point, but um. You what know, made you quit? It was the it was I guess it was just the feeling of wake of waking up just like <clears throat> kind of thing or whatever. I felt like I felt like back then I had the willpower to to stop or whatever. Like when I first when I turned eighteen, I had my very first AA meeting. I went to my very first AA meeting because I tried to stop drinking because alcohol was my very first drug of choice. And um, before it even started, I walked out because like this is fucking stupid. I walked out and went back home. <laughs> but um, so I was introduced to so I was introduced to heroin at twenty. And um, looking back at it now, I really don't think it was real heroin to be honest. But yeah, this was like 2017. Say again, this was like in 2017. Yeah, it's big, yeah, putting it in everything, you know. Like I said, I look back in those those times and realize that I get 
we realized that I wasn't I wasn't thinking right, but I was going that I was dealing with a lot me dealing with a lot of different continental issues, and depression and kind of stuff like in um, twenty twenty seventeen I went I was I went I was in like four or five different mental institutions within a, within like two months from each other. What happened? That led you into there. Um, I felt me my depression, my anxiety was like so severe to where I was thinking about killing myself almost every day, and I needed to be medic. I need to be medicated and go to therapy, which I started doing in twenty eighteen, and um. In 2018, I uh, went to Job Corps in Dayton, Ohio, and got a um, certificate for got a certificate for uh, Surf Safe. So, like What's culinary that? arts. Culinary arts. Mm -hmm. And I had I got a had a job at a uh, a bar and grill type of place. A few months late, few months later, or whatever, and uh, by twenty nine, by like mid twenty nineteen, I quit, and found it found another job at another another restaurant. Quit within like two weeks because it was very, me very toxic. You know, they were having me do they were like they basically they were having me do like, like manager like management type of things. Like my second week, second week there. You know, I was still in the training. I was still in the training phase, and they were putting me in like management type of. They were making me do, like do management type of things, like make sure this employee does this, make sure this employee stays ground for this, or make sure the drinks are where they are or whatever. I'm like, oh my god, you know. So, I quit that within two weeks, and um, 2019. I thought I thought my life was getting was kind of getting better or whatever, but I think I was still grieving over my grandparents passing, which they died like three three years prior. For me, three years prior, my grandfather died in twenty fifteen. My grandmother died in twenty sixteen. So yeah, I, uh, my grand when I uh, found out when I um when they passed away, they um left some of money for my mom me or whatever but like I mean I was devastated like I was very devastated and I didn't know how to handle it like even to this day I still sometimes still don't know how to handle it you know so throughout all that I um all that I got involved with a lot of bad people and bad people around that time who was like threatening to kill me and stuff for what? Like um owning them money or whatever for them scamming me. But anywho's I um after that after that I um like post night twenty nine no around twenty twenty. It was like during the pandemic or whatever, I was um Basically, 2020 was not that bad of a year for me. I was basically just on a fence of like, 
hopping, being a job hopper, like hopping from job to job, whatever, trying to keep it. And by the by the end of twenty twenty, I um was in another in another relate by the end of twenty twenty, I was in another relationship and moved to my my own apartment with two I had two roommates. You, you know, and it started off okay. Started off very much okay, you know. It, we all got along very well. And then by like early 2021, my roommates were constantly were constantly like at each other's face with with like every little small thing or whatever. And it started building up more and more and more and more and more and more and more to the point where like it was uncomfortable uncomfortable for me to even go to my own house. And so by that time, um, you know, I felt like I was like on my P's and Q's in certain certain aspects or whatever. And um, by mid twenty twenty one, my relationship was falling off. And by uh, relationship August, with who? You, relationship with who? Huh? You said your relationship um, was falling off. My relationship was falling off with, with who? Um, this my my other ex girlfriend. Her, her, another ex girlfriend. Um, we we were together for I forget like seven eight months. We were together for about seven or eight months. We um started well, we started talking in like mid twenty twenty, but we didn't start dating until like August of twenty twenty, and. And we uh, broke up around August 2021. So I think that was actually basically a year, I think. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So, and um, that's when, and I feel like that's when I started to go back to my older, my older ways when I was a teen, when I was a teen or, or my early 20s by um, basically self medicating. With what, alcohol and heroin? Yeah. And on top of that, I was also letting in people who were who were just who were using, who were using and drinking constantly or whatever in my apartment because no one no one else was there anymore. By the time the lease was up, um, I had no idea that I had to make a thirty day. I had no idea that I had to make a thirty day notice before the lease was was up. Or whatever. So my roommate walked. So my roommate was able to get out there scot free from that. Um, my my other roommate, um, she left in the middle middle of the lease. So that was taking a toll on me because I couldn't financially make make my way to pay my rent and bills all at the same time because it was over a grand a month. So I was like very in a bad in a bad space, and also at the same time I was losing friend. I was also losing friends. You know, they were basically cutting me, but most friends were cutting me off or dis- distancing themselves because I was also at the time of being very mentally mentally psychotic. Like I had a lot of a lot of mental health problems were taking place. What you type know, of mental health problems? like like everyday suicidal ideations like in 2021 i was like being put in mental hospitals like 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 a, on a consistent basis 
and it started and it started to take a toll on everybody and everyone just like started to distance themselves away from me or whatever you know and that's when i started to really self-medicate and just mind my own business at a certain time that's when like i started really be i to isolate myself and be very secluded in my apartment only you know drinking up and shooting up that was the only thing i was really doing at the time and um you know by i think november by a time by november i was once again meet once again you know doing the same routine or whatever the only people i let in were the dealers that i was dealing with at the time and um the people who did things like me who did who used like me whatever and i had two friends who were great friends of mine at the time and uh they were i let i was letting, letting them use my apartment and by the time i went back to their hometown they both died like two weeks later from what overdoses mm -hmm. apparently it was um someone laced fentanyl in their in their drugs or whatever and so they like died like instantly or whatever, you know, and I didn't, I wasn't, I was so high and so strung out to where I didn't even go to their funerals and their parent and their families like blamed, blamed me for their deaths, like blamed me for their deaths or whatever, which held a lot of guilt and shame, which made me want to go back, which made me want to do drugs harder. In, you know, and on top of that, like all, all these things are taking place and going through a lot of this stuff or whatever. And on top of that, I was, you know, I went through a lot, went through a very traumatic event, very traumatic experience of having like six, no, 12 police officers at my doorstep with guns drawn because my therapist gave um, them the wrong idea that I was suicidal. And um, so I was basically forced into a mental hospital against my will. So that was so that was very traumatic. the The breakup happened. My mom was in the hospital for COVID. Um, on top of that, um, I was lost my job. So like the only thing really out of that was I was, I was losing a lot of a lot of self will. I I really was not. I, my thought process was that I was really not in a headspace to um, really feel like I could love myself because the only thing I wanted to do was basically die. That's the only reason why I drunk and used again. Used again is for the is for the reason is to like have my life be completely ending. Like I wanted to meet my demise so badly. Like I was I me. Mean, I used I used to be like sleeping. I used to like lay down on my bed and screaming, kill me, God. Mm. Like, erase me from this world. I don't want to exist anymore kind of thing. It, it, it It's kind of hard to talk about because I was, when I was in that state of mind, like, I was just, I was using and drinking for one purpose and that was to die. That was, that would be like really honest here. And um, think like 
late December I got my wish because apparent because apparently from apparently from the doctors or whatever back then I said they said I was dead for nine minutes. I um apparently I apparently I OD'd like late December in late December and they they paramedics my uh neighbor my next door neighbor. No, it was my landlord. My landlord found me me found me um laying down or whatever and called the police and then narcan me and I was just like screaming, Why did you why did you let me live? You know? And a lot like basically screaming and crying in tears or whatever. Like it was a very bad it's a very bad time. Um and then um by early January I um was going in and out. I went to um, Columbus Springs, Dublin. Not to detox from drugs, but again from suicidal ideations. And then when and when they told me that they couldn't like transport me to a different hospital, I walked all the way from Dublin to OSU campus. How far is that? Like 70 miles. If you count the highway too, because I was on I was on the highway walking down there. But um very messed up. And at the same time, I also lost my job. And the story behind that was that um I, I showed up to work. I mean, I know called no show the day before. Then I showed up to work high. And um unfortunately had a loaded syringe in my pocket and it fell right through the pepperoni section because I worked at a pizza shop or whatnot and um my boss was extremely pissed to the point to where I almost caught a felony charge I almost caught a felony charge for it because I was this close like she said you got five seconds to get out of here before I call the cops so like there so I basically was saved by like this much due to my like <laughs> I had to like shift quick outside and never come back kind of thing. You, you know? Yeah. So uh, basically it's down on my luck, you know? So I go from Columbus Springs to OSU campus and the social worker, you know, scant me, talks about me through the sheet, through these sheets or whatever and asks like, are you, are you currently in addiction? It's like, no, I don't have an addiction problem. Well, it says here that you do. You say you, you says you have an alcohol, you had an alcohol problem at 14 or whatever. And I, I was very, very in denial that I had an addiction problem. But then I realized, it, then she was like very polite and saying, why don't you just go to Mary Haven and detox on me? And, and I was just like, I'm down on my luck. I might as well, you know. I might as well. So uh, by I think early February, I was in I was in um I was in Mary Haven detoxing for like about three weeks, and then I transferred to a re to a rehab called Minerva Park Rehabilitation Center for two months, and uh, then after I went through there, I went to the Lighthouse, and I stood there from from April to. 
from April to August of last year. Which lighthouse? Um, the one, the one on, on Whitehall in Columbus. What is it? Lighthouse is a um like a sober living. Okay. Like a sober living treatment center. So I said they stayed there for five months, and um relapsed relapsed in May from perk thirties. Where'd you get them? Uh, I have still had some left. I just hit it. I just hit it very, very well, I guess. But so I relapsed from perks or whatnot. And um, so throughout all, throughout my entire like recovery journey, my recovery journey, I was very timid and shy and quiet because I was still, I was still kind of like, dealing with a lot of things plus i was i was just getting off suboxone i mean just getting off suboxone because of all that and stuff so um after i did after i did all my time it did some of my time at lighthouse uh i went to a place called hope for tomorrow which is which is the same place where i met our fellow member of addicts anonymous uh jordan nicole that's where I met her through. And after I got kicked out for Hope for Tomorrow, it was because I wasn't getting my, I wasn't filling up my meeting sheets and stuff. So I moved to, I go to Next Step, Next Step Recovery, which is on the north side of, north side of Columbus. And um, there was a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of um, drugs being put in the house or whatever. And I was, I'm at, I was at a point where like, I'm trying to get this right this time, you know, you know, and I so I left there and I've and now I'm at Choices, which is the current place I'm in. And I've been there since September. How do you like it? Oh, I love it, man. Like I'm in a very good state now that I ever been. I have now I have eight months and twenty days. That's awesome. That's a long time. Yeah. It's a really it long took, time. It took it, it's just a long life journey a long life journey you know because I really for for years I really have never thought I would me would be proud to be clean the way the way I am now you know like back then you know I was strung out and couch surfing all over the place as to where like I'm fortunate to you know now be able to I'm fortunate enough to you know be able to work you be able to work, uh, get my peer support uh, certification soon. You know, um, attend meetings, chair meetings, and um, work the steps. Sounds like you're in a good place right now. Very, very in a good place. Physically you know, and but, mentally. Yeah, but I I look at it this way, like. This is why, and this is one of the things that I try to tell the newcomers nowadays is that, you know, if someone like me can get it, can get it right and still progress in ways, I guarantee you anyone else can, everyone else can. It's because, it's because my cars were dealt the moment I was born, you know? And there was just a lot of, there was a lot of things that I was dealing, dealing with that I've dealt with for such a while, 
you know, I never confronted for a long time. I never confronted those abandonment issues. I never confronted the neglect. I never confronted, you know, the the mental health aspect of of everything, like the, the constant ridicule of the bullying that I went through when I was in school. You, you know, the con the the miscarriage, the the breakups, and all these things. You know, I I all bottled them in. I was always the person to bottle them in and self medicate. And now, like nowadays, I'm in a headspace where, like, I no longer feel that way. I mean, I no longer feel like I have to, you you know, suppress anything. And that's one of the biggest key things is that the think biggest key things for my recovery is to I me mean, is to put it all out on the table. That's how I grow. That's how I feel like I can grow. Absolutely. I mean, when you're able to talk about your feelings, it's going to help because that's how you get suggestions from other people. It's letting other people know how you feel. So they maybe they can help guide you in the right direction. No one's no one's ever going to be able to fix you. That's up to you. But people can give you advice to lead you in the right direction. For sure. For sure. And, you know, I have a you know. I'm I'm a lot more humble now. I'm a, I'm a lot more humble now. And, you know, I feel like that ever since I feel like ever since I had that spiritual awakening, because my spiritual awakening came from my spiritual awakening came from um me being put being being hospitalized, me being hospitalized for the last time at OSU campus and like she like detoxing and actually really really surrendering myself into surrendering myself to a, a higher power which is my community surrendering surrendering in, into suggest taking suggestions you know into following following you know the 12 steps of narcotics anonymous in the and also in the process of like really growing growing within myself but also growing within my community you know, and I feel like I've I've grown as a person. I feel like my art my artistry has grown because that's important to me. I feel, feel like my sobriety has grown, and that's all because it's all because I, you know, took some suggestions and always doing the next right thing, and living life on life's terms, the best way I know how. So like I've. I'm very much in a very better state of mind than I ever have been in my whole life, to be honest. That's great, man. It sounds like you're doing well. I'm happy for you. Thank you. So let me ask one last question. Do you have any advice for people that are watching and listening to this? Uh, Yeah. One thing I would say is recovery is not a race. It's not a race. Does not matter how I mean, it doesn't matter how long it takes for you to get it right. As long as you get it right, that's all that matters. If you're going through, if you're going through any kind of anxieties, any kind of pain, any kind of frustration, feel like you want to die every day. Trust me, I've been through it. I understand. But I feel like we can. We feel like, you know. We can persevere. We can persevere in life if we just take some suggestions, 
And also on top of that, understand that, you know, there are people out here who are really, who are really willing to help you, you know, really willing to make sure that you succeed in life, not just in your recovery, but life, you know, cause I'm not, cause the thing about me is that I'm not going to be in this program that I'm in forever. I'm still going to have to live life on life's terms when I'm out of here. And so, like I said, just, just, Take your time with it. If you want to, if you don't want to work the steps, then do smart recovery. If you don't want to do smart recovery, do, do celebrate recovery. Like get your recovery the the way you see best fit. What works for you. Don't like have this, don't have this expectation revolving around yourself to where like you end up draining yourself in the process. You just have to take it slow. Slow and steady wins, wins the race, and I stand by that every single day. That's been very well, very well said. That's very well said. So, um, before we go, did you have anything else you want to throw in, or you want to add in? I think you told your story great. I mean, thank you so much for being so open and honest with us. I know it's not easy to sometimes tell the world about yourself, you know. Yeah, um, I guess this is one last thing I, I would say is that for everybody that's watching, if you are watching, just so you know, you are not alone. You are 100% not alone. I will meet, I will meet, will talk with you all day, every day to help you get you through this. I have social media. You can just hit up, find my name. And we can talk from from six from six in the morning or whatever. I don't care if I have to get up, get up, go to work the next morning. Like I don't care. Like I'm I'm would be more I me, mean, I would be it would be more helpful to help somebody in those situations rather than you know, just neglect them because, because of priorities. Because they said in the NA reading, we we keep what we have by giving it away. Yes, very well and, said. Yeah. So that's all I got. Awesome, man! You did a great job. Thank you for coming on the podcast. How do you feel? Uh, I feel good. good I feel man. really good. That's awesome. So do me a favor, my friend, and sit tight. And for everyone that's watching and listening, if you like what you saw and heard, go below and give us a like. Also subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You can check us out. We're on all social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, TikTok, Instagram. Um, you name it, we're on it. Also check out our website, www.addicts-anonymous.com. There's plenty of free resources and literature. And also Addicts Anonymous has a book coming out, hopefully due mid to late February. It's called Addicts Anonymous, Our Stories. I write on a number of topics, and then we have a collection of people's stories about their addiction and their recovery. That's all we have for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time.